Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Don't ever try to copy the thoughts of, of the people in the Bible. Copy their faith, but God's just showing you they're all flawed people, and God can take flawed people and bring forgiveness and change their lives. But he was made righteous by faith. Certainly wasn't because everything he did was perfect. Uh-uh. Matter of fact, Paul later roaming, uh, writing about uh, uh, David wrote in Romans chapter 4 and verse 6, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now I want to emphasize that last line. David didn't say, blessed is the man who never sins. Anybody fits into that category? Don't raise your hand. David said, blessed is the man who to the Lord will not impute sin. He won't hold you accountable for your sin and judge you for your sin because if God judged according to our sins, every single one of us will go straight to hell. But there's grace in Christ that he died for our sins and rose again. He brings victory. And we learn from David the importance also, though, of humility and repentance. Yes, he was a great sinner just like anybody else. But why was he considered a man after God's own heart? Because he had humility and repentance and faith. And you know what? I, I can't help it. I know I, I, instead of telling the story of David, I want to read one of his prayers to you from Psalm 51. If there's ever a prayer we should learn to pray, it's Psalm 51. Uh, my friend Ray Comfort, when he, whenever he uh, preaches the gospel, and we're going through his series right now on Wednesday night, he's very reluctant to get people to uh, say a sinner's prayer and like say, repeat after me, because he wants it to be real. Don't repeat after me, you go talk to God. But do you know what he does do? In many of his tracks, I, I always see at the end of it, or he's even said it to people, Look up Psalm 51 and make it your prayer. I like that. That's good. You want to you know how to pray to God? You want to know how, how to approach God if you're in sin? Psalm 51. After David was confronted by Nathan the prophet and his sin was discovered and busted and he felt his shame and realized, I deserve death for what I did, God offered forgiveness and cleansing and David wrote Psalm 51. Let's read it. Look at it. Verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness. You're not according to how good I am. According to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. That's how I want him to look at me. According to his tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in, in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. He's saying, I was born in sin. He believed in original sin, and he proved it with his life, okay? Verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make known excuse me, make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be cleansed. Oh, that's, that's the plant that was brought up to Jesus' lips when he was up on the cross. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be cleansed. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones that you've broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my transgressions. And here's a song. Oh, I love this song. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And then I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. We'll stop here for a second. One of the things the Lord taught me when, as a Christian, I fell into sin and I thought my life was over because I fell into sin. A Christian, Christ died for me. Now I live in sin. Now I'm going to hell. But the Lord showed me his mercy, took me to Psalm 51 and showed me this is the prayer that I should have. And you know the heart that he gave me? He, it, it says that... Um, I've lost my place. Oh, verse 13. The Lord really put on my heart, verse 13. Then... I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. You know what? Lord, forgive me and cleanse me and then I'll help others who are trapped in sin. Lord, deliver me from my sin and make me holy and make me righteous. Make me clean in your sight and then I'll devote my life to helping people come out of their sin and living right in your sight and being cleansed. Huh? That, that should be every Christian's desire. That should be every Christian's goal is cleanse me and make me whole make me, and I'll help others. I'll help others not or come out of the same muck and mire that I was in, okay? Now, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Back then, then I became a worship leader. So this, Psalm 51, I really relate to. Because when the Lord pulled me out of my muck, I began to do evangelism and I began to lead worship and this is it. This is, this is so good. Uh, verse 15 again. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall, sh- shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or I'd give it. You do not delight in burnt offering, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You know, if you're in sin right now and you're not right with God, he's not looking for you to try to make up for it by making some sacrifice. Okay, because I did this, I'll, I'll, I'll make up for it. But you don't make up for it. What he's looking for is for you to have a broken spirit before him, be humbly broken and say, Oh Lord, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And look to Jesus, who is your sacrifice, who died on the cross for your sins and rose again for your justification. And you could say, Oh Lord, I, my hope is in you. There's a way back. If you're stuck right now, if you feel like, oh yeah, but I've, I'm too messed up. No, there's a way back for every single one of us. So David models that because of faith. He's righteous 
Not because of his actions, not because of his perfect life, but by faith in God and by humbly coming to God. Okay? Let's look at the next in verse 32 is Samuel. Now Samuel was a young prophet who actually started out young. He lived quite a while. His name means heard of God. He was dedicated to God by his mother Hannah. And it was a part of a vow because she couldn't have children. She begged the Lord, oh Lord, if I could just have children, if I could have a son, Lord, I'll dedicate him to you. And she did. She had a son and dedicated him and, and brought him when he was, after he was weaned, he was old enough to, uh, that the, the, the priest could, didn't have to bottle feed him, brought this young child to the tabernacle, Eli the high priest, and says, he's yours to serve at the tabernacle. And so as a young child, he was given to Eli, the high priest. He ministered at the tabernacle. And this was a time when prophecies and visions were rare. That's what it says in the scriptures if you read in 1 Samuel. I like that because there's times you go, you read, have you ever read in the New Testament all these signs and wonders and miracles and then you pray and you don't see a miracle? And you go, what's up with that? Well, there's times in church history when there's lots of miracles, which, by the way, all the miracles and stuff you see in the book of Acts took place over 30-something years. It wasn't all just in one weekend, right? But there are times in the history of God's people when God is silent. Usually it's because we're living in sin. He's not talking to us till we do the first the thing he told us last to do. How come you're not telling me anything? Because I told you something, you're not doing it. I'm waiting for you to do it, and then I'll talk to you some more, you know. There's some, some reasons, but there's dead times in church history, and there's times when the Holy Spirit is more active. This was a time when prophecies and visions, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, were rare. And here, young Samuel heard the voice of God calling him, and he, he thought it was Eli three times. And so he, he'd run over and ask Eli, yeah, did you call me? No, it wasn't me, son. Go back to bed. Finally, Eli picked up on what's going on. He goes, the Lord's talking to you. Next time you hear the voice, say, here I am, Lord. And, and from then on, Samuel the prophet began to listen to God. And so young Samuel was ministering in the tabernacle. He didn't know the voice of the Lord because it actually says in the scripture that the, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And then, there's, you know what? There's people in the church who the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed. Why not? Aren't we teaching the Bible? Well, sometimes people have this glaze, <laughs> the glaze over their eyes, or a veil in their mind, and then someday the Lord lifts the veil, and now all of a sudden, whoa, this is real. And so Samuel had an awakening, and he heard from the Lord. And, and uh, God spoke to Samuel, but his first assignment was a rough one. It was actually to pronounce a rebuke against Eli, the high priest, who him and his sons were living in sin. You know that happens. Spiritual leadership sometimes live in sin, and God will raise up a replacement. And Samuel uh, was the one to rebuke them, and his first assignment was a tough one. But Samuel's credibility after that as a prophet spread throughout Israel, and God continued to reveal his word to Samuel and through Samuel to the people of God. You could read about it in the book of Samuel all the way through. And as the Israelites called out to God for help against the Philistines, Samuel instructed them to rid themselves of the false gods if they wanted deliverance. You know, that's always um, a key for Christians having deliverance. How come I got such a mess? My life is such a mess. Repent. Turn from your sin. Get right with God. And let's see what God's going to do next, okay? 
But I tell you what, it's been my experience, <clears throat> both from studying the scriptures and from watching Christians and knowing in my own life, that there's times when we refuse to repent, when we live in sin, sometimes God will raise up our very enemies or the enemies of God. He'll raise them up, evil people, to oppress us. Well, that's not right. Sometimes it's demonic. I've seen situations where the Lord would let demonic things happen to his children because they won't let go of their sin until they finally just get on their knees, they're broken, they call in the name of the Lord. And, and it's, it's demonic. There's demonic things happening in their house. But because they won't let go of their sin. And God knows what it takes to break you of your sin. And so here, the uh, Israelite people, they're in sin, and they want to be delivered from the Philistines. And Samuel says, easy. Put away your false gods. Stop worshiping idols. And so with Samuel's leadership and by God's power, the Philistines were overcome. And there was a time of peace between them. And Samuel was recognized as a judge over all of Israel. And Samuel was used by God to rebuke sin among the leaders of God's people. You know, that's the first thing. If there's going to be revival, the leaders have to repent first. That's why, I don't know if you've studied um, revivals. Quite often, revivals within uh, history of the New Testament revival, even in modern days in America, often they start outside the church. Because within the church, sometimes we just get so stuck in our ways. And pastors and leaders and people with high positions, they get so stuck and so high on their power and authority that they're not listening to God anymore. They don't need to. They got, they got control. And God has to start a revival and raise up a man outside the church. Of course, in the Calvary Chapel system, it was Chuck Smith, who was a, a frustrated pastor, but of course, he did bring other, he brought some hippie people into his life. The movie's coming out. I forget when it's coming out. What's it called, the movie? Anybody remember the name of it? Uh, there's a new movie coming out about the Jesus movement. When it does, we're going to have to bring it to the senior center, invite everybody out, set up chairs, and just watch it together. I'm looking, I think it's going to be at the theaters first, so we might not be able to get our hands on it right away. But anyway, the Lord will do whatever it takes to bring revival, but he needs to find a broken person who's submitted to him. Now, um, the life of Samuel was actually pivotal in Israel's history. He was a prophet. He was anointed. He actually anointed the first two kings of Israel. And he was the last in the line of Israel's judges. And some look at Samuel as the greatest of all the judges. But there's some important lessons to learn from the life of Samuel as well. We see that the sovereignty of God in, over Israel, no matter who the people chose. Remember the story of the first king? The people chose Saul. It wasn't a good choice. Sometimes we elect the wrong person. Sometimes the people choose the wrong person. Well, that's over. Forget it. No. God's still in control. The people chose Saul. God was still in control. He used Samuel, Samuel and brought revival in the land. Another thing to keep in mind is that we could allow all kinds of things or people to occupy the throne of our heart. And God will want to cleanse house first. You know, they had to get rid of their idols, stop worshiping idols. God wants to do revival in your life. I really believe that. I don't think, well, this is just a time when God doesn't speak much. And so just, it just is what it is. That was my dad always said that. It is what it is. Well, there's times it shouldn't be what it is. And, and so what, what God wants is repentance so that he could bring about revival. And if there's idols in our life, if there's things that we're allowing in our life that is displeasing to God, we've got to say, you know what, enough of this. 
I get rid of this. I turn from this. I want to live for God. And boy, there could be renewal and revival in your life. Don't, don't give up on that, okay? Now, key verse in the life of Samuel relates to his rebuke of King Saul. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 15, when, when he was confronting King Saul, he said this, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Long story, but Saul was trying to make up for something he did by making sacrifices unto God. No. He says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of lambs. And so what I get out of this is, no, obey me. Don't just, you know, what is it that the saying is, it's, it's easier to say I'm sorry than to ask permission. I've used that a couple times in life situation, but not with God. You know, it, it's better to ask his leading. So here's your next fill-in. Faith in God and obedience to God's word must always be our top priority. I'll say it again because this is important. Faith in God and obedience to God's word must always be our top priority. Now let's look at the last example in verse 32, and it's the prophets. Now that's a big topic, and we're not going to go through all the prophets. There's too many of them. The Bible, in the Bible, prophets were people would bring messages from God to people. Sometimes it would be predictive prophecy. Sometimes it would be rebuke. Sometimes it would be warnings. Sometimes it would be comfort. God knows what the people need to hear, and it's God raises up a prophet to speak to his people. And I believe there are even prophets today. If you read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, uh, we're told that there are prophets today. I have been spoken to by people who have been gifted with the gift of prophecy in my life. Okay, And, and it's you've got to be careful. You've got to test the prophecies. Test the prophets, the Bible says, because there are people who think they're prophets and they're not. There's people who maybe the Lord spoke to them once and then they get a big head and now they start going off the rails. There's all kinds of stories, so be careful with this. But there are prophets today, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and the prophets of the Old Testament that the readers of this, the book of Hebrews could be remembering could be Elisha, Elijah, uh, the, or the writing prophets from Isaiah through Malachi. We've got, we've got many of the writings of the prophets. And prophets often, often exhibited great faith in the face of hostility. And that's some of the things that are going to be listed in these next couple of verses. Too many stories to mention, but examples are, no, are numbered in, in verse 33. Okay, so we're going to rapid fire through some of these in verse 33. He says, um, let me get a look at the beginning. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Now, some of these people could be David and Joshua, King Asa, Jehoshaphat, King Hezekiah, King, King Josiah. There's so many examples that you just can't put all the names down or... It'll take even longer than I'm taking to get through the book of Hebrews, okay, or chapter 11. And so, through faith, they subdued kingdoms. We'll look at, at, the, at the end of verse 35, is it? It's not, it doesn't always go well. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about persecuted church a bit next week, okay? Who worked righteousness. Now, it doesn't say they were righteous. They worked righteousness. It was by faith. Some of these were Elisha, Elijah, uh, the other prophets, King Josiah. By faith, they obtained promises. It could be referring to heroes like Caleb or Gideon or Barak, like we've already read about. Um, through faith, they stopped the mouth, mouths of lions. Now, by the way, I've put a lot of these texts in your fill-in so that... Um, 
the small groups who are meeting, sorry, you guys who are on break, you don't get, no, you get still, you get the filling, you can look them up. Um, that there's, there's examples, you can read some of these stories. They stopped the mouths of lions. Actually, Daniel, David, as he killed a lion, Benaniah, who was one of David's mighty men, there's stories about, I have included it in the, in the scriptural filling that you could look them up. Uh, it says, by faith, they quenched the violence of fire. Who hasn't heard the story of Shadrach, Midrach, Midrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah, try to say it all real fast. Uh, these three Hebrew youths who stood against the king and wouldn't worship his statue. And they quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Now, we could repeat some of the people. We've already looked at David, because David escaped the edge of the sword of Goliath. That's a wonderful story. And even Saul, who would throw javelins at him. And Moses escaped the sword of Pharaoh. And Elijah escaped the sword of Jezebel. So there's many, many instances. Now, lest we get arrogant and think, because I have faith, nothing bad can happen to me. Come back next week. Okay? Because we're looking today about the overcoming power, that, that faith that overcomes. But I want you to know, there's two sides of this story, and both are just as legitimate. So come next week to see that, okay? Now, also goes on to say they escaped the edge of the sword. Oh, I already read that one. They're out of weakness, they were made strong. You've heard the story of how Sarah, who couldn't bear a child, bore a child. Gideon, who was hiding in the wine press, scared to death, and God made him strong. Abraham was given strength to bear children. Esther, King Hezekiah, goes on and on. I like what Spurgeon says about uh, out of weakness, we're made strong. He says, many of us may never have to brave the fiery stake or to bow our necks upon the block, to die as Paul did. But if we have grace enough to be out of weakness made strong, we shall not be left out of the role of the nobles of faith. The and God's name shall not fail to be glorified in our persons. So uh, if you, you don't see yourself in here, that you're going, well, I didn't escape the edge of the sword, and I haven't fought a lion. Well, can you say, out of weakness, I was made strong? And we could be included in this, because God makes the weak strong. That's what he does in each of our lives. It goes on to say that they became valiant in battle. And of course, again, David, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Gideon, Joshua, so many, many more. Uh, finally, it says women who received their dead raised life, raised back to life again. Um, this is some of the text I put in your fill-in so that you could go back and read these stories in your small groups. Again, you're not going to have time to cover them all, but I'm asking you the small groups that are still meeting to just pick a couple of these stories, whatever one you think. Maybe you might want to ask for volunteers. Which story do you want to go over and read this? They're wonderful, glorious stories by faith because the Old Testament mentions at least two who fit the description of women who raised the dead back to life. And, and I put those that you could go and look them up. Now, each of these stories contain men, men or women of faith. But each of these stories contain people who were weak. Failures. Had doubts and fears. I'm glad to see that. Abraham, remember? He lied. Sarah, no, she's not my wife. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's times that each one of these we could look at weaknesses in their lives and yet God commends them for their faith. They still, they're each listed in the Bible in the hall of faith. And you know what? I believe, and I've told you this before. I believe that when our lives are past, we stand before God. If we've trusted in Christ, 
We're not going to be remembered for all of our weaknesses. He's not going to go. <laughs> he's certainly not going to do that. <laughs> he, he's not going to go, what an idiot. Remember all the stupid things you did? It would take eternity for God to just list the stupid things I've done, okay? He's, we're going to be remembered for our actions of faith. Because this is what's modeled for us in Hebrews chapter 11. That these people who were flawed and you could just as easy, you take a negative person to tell you the story about these and they'll tell you all the, the bonehead things they did, right? Because you can find it. But when our lives are past, God seems to forget our faults and our flaws and focuses on our faith in him. Here's your last fill-in. Even, even weak faith is better than unbelief. Now, we've talked a lot about this in the book of Hebrews, that unbelief isn't just doubting. We all have doubts. We all have struggles. We all have fears. We all, you know, doubt ourselves or doubt the Lord or can that be? But unbelief is this shake your fist against God, refuses to believe him. But even weak faith is better than unbelief. You don't have to be perfect to make it into God's hall of faith. This is for you. Okay, this is for you. You don't have to be perfect. And you can go, but I, I have such a doubter. I have so many doubts. You know, read the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11. They all were weak people. But even weak faith is better than unbelief. Don't, just don't take the stand of shake your fist. I refuse to believe that, okay? Now, next week we're going to look at the tenacity of faith in the toughest times of life, okay? You can read ahead if you want, but I'm warning you, it's not going to be a pretty picture. Matter of fact, I realized I missed, I missed covering uh, this year. There's a, we usually have an, an annual uh, Sunday for persecuted church, and I missed it. And so because of the text next week, we'll call next Sunday our celebration or remembrance of the persecuted church, and we'll talk about that a bit, okay? So for now, we're, how do we end this? You need to trust God. Whatever you're going through in your life, you need to look to God, look to Jesus Christ. But first and foremost, if you're not right with him, of course, you've got to bring your sin before him and confess, be humble like David. Humbly can admit and confess and say, God, be We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.